It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. And I'm Stacy Trisenkos. Welcome back today. We have missed the last two days because uh, I was having a sinus infection and traveling and uh, trying as hard as I could to get to the recording in the hotel room in um, South Bend, Indiana at Notre Dame, the University of Notre Dame. And I could not get myself on the recorder. I was not able to talk. And um, <laughs> Which you is sound bad. much better today, Stacey. <laughs> Thank you, because I, I was giving a talk, so I was really getting worried, like, okay, um, I need you angels to protect my voice. But, um, <laughs> but we we are back now and apologize for the two-day delay. We're back at it, though, with Stacey's getting ready to do the scripture on the Memorial of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. And yes. I'm picking up where we left off on the catechism in um, part one, the profession of faith. Section one, I believe. Chapter two, God comes to meet man. Article three, sacred scripture. Section four, the canon of scripture. <laughs> the heading of New Testament under that. I never get it right. I think I got it all right today. And anyway, we're on page um, 37. <laughs> Sections 124 to one. That makes it so much easier. <laughs> it is. It is. If you like the hierarchy, I just gave it all to you. But if you just want to turn to the page, there's a link below. And on the, our podcast page, if you look at the links, um, then you can just click that and open right to the scripture and to the catechism where we're talking about today. It'll yes. take you right to it. Or if you have a catechism, it's section 124 to 127, the New Testament. We'll yes. get to that in a little bit. How have you been, Stacy? I have been good. I am just loving the, the retreat that we did and ready to get back and do our podcast and uh, get going again. I loved your outfit, all black at the retreat. <laughs> you too, you too. Yes, we we had all black on. Stacy had turquoise jewelry on, and I had red jewelry on. So that was, that was our western jewelry. <laughs> yeah, you got me to wear turquoise though. So I know it looked so, great uh, on you. But you look, but you look beautiful in your long um, black. What's that called? Duster. Duster. You look beautiful <laughs> in your long duster and your cowboy boots. And um, yeah. we sure. Um, we sure stood out up in Bangor, Maine, dressed like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I wish fun. we'd taken a picture, but we we didn't. We didn't. I know. I said I was going to, and I just don't. I just in the moment, I'm like, I feel weird about taking the camera out and like take a picture of me. But they did get some pictures of us, and we'll post those later. We had a great time. The ladies in Bangor, Maine, were so amazing. Oh, they had goodness. these beautiful tables set up. Each woman that was a hostess decorated her table. And they turned out all the lights. And so everybody was eating by candlelight and each table was decorated differently. And the hostess was serving different food. And it was just 
it was a really great event. They had like, I don't know, 200 women there. It was huge. Yeah. It was like 20 tables. And the theme was Merry Christmas, M-A-R-Y yes. Christmas. So all the tables kind of represented that theme, but in their own special way. It was beautiful. I, it was, I love just walking around looking at how they decorated yeah. their tables. <laughs> and getting to meet them. That's the beautiful thing. I mean, the, the lady that we stayed with had a cabin over look overlooking a oh. lake in Maine. It was just so scenic and idyllic and peaceful and beautiful. And they oh were great. God. They fed us lobster and clams and clams. I had never had clams before. <laughs> I ate the whole thing, belly and all. <laughs> you did. You, you only did. ate the strips. Oh well that's true. That's true. I mean I, I <laughs> Yeah, uh, yes. it was so it was just a wonderful experience. And um, if anybody's interested in doing an advent by candlelight, let us know. We uh, learned a lot about how they do that. It's a really neat thing. It was yeah. kind of a preparation for the preparation preparation for advent. Yeah, to, for these ladies to, ever, you know, how women are so busy during that season of advent trying to prepare for their families and everything. So uh, it was it was nice. We're glad to be back. I'm glad we took that trip. And um, thanks be to God for all of it. Use us, Lord, however, however you will. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, well how about you're ready to get started? Pray, pray <laughs> us into the day, Stacy. Okay, let's go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you um, that this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your mercy. Um, we ask that your favor would just go before us today and that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, that we would comprehend your scriptures. Give us fresh eyes to see you, Lord, and ears to hear you. And Mother Mary, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. All right, like we do every morning. I have my your coffee. Stacy's got her coffee. If you want a coffee or if you want a tea, just grab your Bible and be sure to spend some time with the Lord today. So today we are going to be, let's see. So this is the memorial of St. Elizabeth of Hungary and or Hungary, Hungary, Hungary. How do you say that? I think it's Hungary. Yeah. Hungary. Okay. Hungary. So today we're going to be uh, in the gospel um, reading, and this is the memorial of St. Elizabeth. And so what I did was I clicked on the readings for the memorial of St. Elizabeth. So if you'll click there, you can follow along or you can read this for yourself. It is in the chapter, chapter six of Luke. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, to you who hear, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather love your enemies and do good to them and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. 
for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as also your father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you. A good measure, packed together, shaken down, and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. Oh, wait, Stacy, that's a pretty difficult reading. <laughs> it is. I mean, oh, my goodness. Uh, it's maybe maybe we can pick a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, We're going to try to walk out. through these scriptures okay. together. Thank you. Oh, so Jesus says to his disciples, to you who hear, I say, okay. Lord, we want to hear you. I mean, sometimes we can hear someone talking, but we just don't understand what they're saying. Have you ever got that deer in the headlight stare from one of your kids when you're trying to talk to them? <laughs> I mean, you feel like saying, do you even understand the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> and sometimes we can feel that same way about scripture. And that is why we ask every morning for the Lord to give us ears to hear that we might comprehend the scriptures. We long not only to hear God, but we want to understand what he's saying. Okay, now for the, the tough part. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. It is, that is a tall order, right? I mean, seriously. I'm sure we've all either right now or have at one time or another struggled with being nice to someone who's mistreated us. And I am, as they say, preaching to the choir this morning. I mean, mm -hmm. I need to hear yep. this for myself. I need mm -hmm. to be encouraged this morning. This is a, this, all of this, mm -hmm. this entire reading was tough to read mm -hmm. because I know how much I need it. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, just, can I, can I pretend like I didn't read that and I don't yeah. <laughs> have to think about what that means because it's so much easier to focus on all the wrongs being done to us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to say, you know, do what I say, not what I do. But then we have to walk it out. And it's it's hard because we have to walk things. We have to walk this out in front of our kids and how we treat because they see people mistreating us. And then mm -hmm. we have to walk that that out the right way. Mm -hmm. And it matters how we walk it out in front of them. And I always think about my kids, but others, too, that are looking that we don't even know. But Jesus isn't asking us to do anything he wouldn't or hasn't already done. I mean, for those that were mistreating him, he even said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But why does God ask us to treat people differently than they deserve to be treated? To love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, bless those who curse us, pray for those who mistreat us, to the person who strikes us on one cheek, offer them the other as well, to give the shirt off our backs when someone has taken our coat, to give to everyone who asks. And even if someone takes something from us, we're not to demand it back. Jesus's teachings are just not easy. They stretch us. They challenge us. You know, I heard a teaching one time on how some people are in our lives as sandpaper on purpose. And the more that we interact with them, the more it changes us. I think, however, Mother Teresa said it better. She said, some people come in our lives as blessings and some people come in our life as lessons. So 
What do we do with these people who challenge us, who stretch us, who are sandpaper, who are there to teach us lessons? Well, it goes on to say we are to do to others as we would have them do to us. And I know we've all heard this before. We treat people the way we want to be treated, right? You might have heard this called the golden rule. Many times the way we treat others looks different than the way we expect others to treat us. I mean, we want to punish others, but yet we cry for mercy. We can just stop and think about that for a second. How many times have we wanted to punish somebody else for what they've done to us? And yet we cry for mercy. This doesn't say treat only the ones who love us or the ones who are good to us, because that would be easy. And following Jesus is, is not easy. It goes on to say, if you love those who loved you, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even the world does that. We've talked about before about um, there being a higher standard for those who want to follow Jesus. And I know <laughs> it takes so much more strength and intestinal fortitude to do good to those who mistreat you than to simply retaliate. But it can send a very loud message to those around you and to the one who mistreated you. It continues. But rather, here's a big but here, but rather <laughs> love your enemies and do good to them and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as also your father is merciful. We've said over the last several weeks over and over, you know, how we are to walk as Jesus, what be um, imitate him. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But there are, you know, and I talk about the so that's in scripture. Sometimes the so that so that's are hidden just a little bit. And I feel like this is yeah. a hidden so that if it was a big but. Yeah, it was a big but. But if we love instead of hate, if we show mercy instead of retaliate, if we imitate our father, if we can truly walk in love, because that's so hard, giving to others. You know, if we do that, it tells us then we will be children of the most high. So there is a so that there and it's it's for us a lot of times. So that's are for somebody else to be blessed. But here's a so that that if we do these things that are so hard to do, we will be called children of the most high. And he goes on to say he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Again, he's not asking us to do something that he hasn't done. And giving to others. You know, that might that might not even mean material things, right, because if we can give love to those who hate and kindness to those who are rude, a kind word turns away wrath. I remember once when my son was a little boy, we pulled into a parking lot and I might have told this story before, but it fits here. We pulled into this parking lot and the parking lot was just about empty. I mean, there was hardly any cars in the whole parking lot. 
And this guy, this man pulls up right next to my car in the parking space next to mine on my son's side of the car. And I, he's waiting for my son to get out of the car, but he, you know, my son and I are talking and I look past him and I can see this man making some hand gestures and mouthing. And he's like, get out of the car. What are you waiting for? <laughs> and when my son turns around and looks at him, he just, it made him nervous. And he looks at me like, what's wrong with that guy? What's wrong? I'm not doing anything wrong. What am I doing? You know. <laughs> so I said, just get out of the car. Let's get out. So we get out, we walk up. It really affected my little boy. Like he was looking at me kind of like sticking close to me, like wrapping himself around my leg. He was really young at the time and he was nervous. This man scared him. So I walked up to that man and I'm like, there are a hundred other empty parking places in this parking lot. Why in the world would you want to park right next to me? And don't talk to my son that way. And I just kind of went off. And this man looked at me and said, yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. And I just stood there and I was like, okay. (laughs) I mean, what else do you say? I mean, it just, his kind word just turned away my wrath. I was like, Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just walked into the, the building, <laughs> but I just saw that play out. I was the one that was, you know, just getting onto him. And he just said, I'm so- yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Oh, so it goes on to say that the, the, so that here again, is that we will be children of the most high. We will be children of God. We've talked about that becoming, serving God and doing what he asks us to do and doing it from a daughter's heart or a a son's heart. Okay. Here's, here's a thought I had when I read this, just a thought. Remember on the cross when Jesus cried out to the father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, there was someone who at the last minute before he died also cried out to Jesus and perhaps by Jesus asking for mercy instead of yelling at them or threatening them, perhaps it touched this man's heart so much. This man that was hanging next to Jesus, it touched him in such a way that it changed his eternal course. It says in the word, one of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding, which means ridiculing, mocking, taunting Jesus. And he was saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other, the other one that was hanging there rebuked him saying, do not, do you not fear a God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus replied to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus, loving those who mistreated him, could have been the very reason this one life was saved. So why does God ask us to treat people differently than they deserve to be treated? Maybe because it can change the eternal course of someone's life. Okay, it goes on to say, Stop judging and you will not be judged. Stop condemning and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and gifts will be given to you. A good measure packed down, shaken, packed together, shaken down and overflowing. 
will be poured into your lap for the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. Okay, so now growing up, I can't tell you how many times this scripture passage given it will be given to you. Good measure overflowing will be dropped in your lap. I can't tell you how many times I heard this when the offering plate was being passed around. But all we've been talking about is what's in the heart, not what's in the wallet. It says here, stop judging each other. I mean, there is one judge and we aren't him. It says, stop condemning each other. Holy Spirit convicts. And, you know, that's something else we could talk about for a while. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It says to start forgiving each other, walking in love. Again, it is the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. Pope John Paul II says, forgiveness is is above all a personal choice, a decision of the heart to go against the natural instinct to pay back evil with evil. So many times in scriptures, in scripture, it tells us if we want to be forgiven, we are to forgive. We all want to be forgiven. And I know sometimes it is hard to forgive when somebody has wronged us, but we have to forgive. We it's have hard. to. It it's is hard, hard to forgive in the moment. Even It's hard to forgive in the moment. It mm -hmm. is. I mean, think about what Jesus did on the cross. He could not have been more in the moment. And he said, forgive them, Lord. They do not know what they're doing. Forgive them. He asked for their forgiveness. He prayed for them in that moment. Okay, we have to decide what we're going to give because what we give will be given to us. Again, do to others as you would have them do to you. Right. Such good advice, but very difficult to hear. And, and, you know, I always struggle with passages like that because I don't want to be a doormat either. You know, I don't, I don't want to, there are times when it's easy to mistake because it gets complicated here. We can have a heart that says we want to be like Christ on the cross. We want to be forgiving in the moment and truly have a pure heart where we don't hold any grudges. But I know there've been times in my life when, when I was younger, especially where I mistook that for just let people run over you too. Right. And, right. and I, I had to work. So that there's like a codependent triangle there. You let people run over you. And then instead of truly, it actually backfires because instead of forgiving them and where if, if you stood up to them and were a bit more assertive and told people what they did that hurt you. So you, you're not, you're not hating them back. You're not wishing bad on them, but you're also letting them know what they did that hurt you and not right. being a doormat that frees you of the grudge. But if you act like a doormat and people run over you and you're telling yourself, well, I'm just forgiving like Jesus did, but you got hurt. Uh, then you build up resentment and then you actually are less forgiving to that person than you would have been if you had just been assertive and told right. them what they did that hurt you. you know, I've been I mean, in that cycle I, so many times. It's, it's, you have to set a, you have to set boundaries too. You mm -hmm. know, I yeah, remember, boundaries. I remember one time um, something happened in my life and, and I was hurt and I really worked at forgiving and I prayed. I, I really felt like I had forgiven this person. However, I, ha I had to cut ties because it was it talk mm -hmm. about a cycle. It was like every time I was around this person, 
I would get hurt. So you have to break that cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. But I had someone tell me, well, if you had truly forgiven this person, you would be able to hang out with them and be friends with them. And I told them, I said, you know what, if I knew that every time I walked down this alleyway, someone was going to attack me and beat me up. I can forgive that person for attacking me and beating me up, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to walk back down that alleyway and put myself in harm's way again. You can forgive, but you'd be a fool to forget. You you just have to set those healthy boundaries. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, we, we don't want to be doormats. We want to set healthy examples and healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, there are times where we do have to just mm-hmm. take that Tell higher me. road. And sometimes it is a lot. It takes a lot more out of us to take that higher road than it does. Mm-hmm. But to, to just, you know, engage. Yeah. But you're right, too, Stacey. There are proper ways to engage. It's been hard for me to learn. That's that's been a real difficult one because uh, it, I think I learned it best when someone did it to me. So someone very close to me, um, it was one of my children, told me when you do that, it hurts me. And and it was so hard for me to hear because I'm like defensive immediately. I don't mean to hurt you. I'm not doing it to hurt you. I'm trying to justify what I'm doing instead of just receiving it. And I and I I was distraught because I wasn't trying to hurt. Nevertheless, what I was doing was hurting someone. And when I was forced to examine it in myself, it was coming from a place of insecurity and selfishness on my part that I hadn't even realized before. So sometimes when we stand up to people and say, I love you, I forgive you. But when you do this, it hurts me. And I can't be around you if you do that. You actually help the other person to grow. Yeah. If that person is receptive and cares That's about good. the relationship and if that person just gets mad and says, well, you're too sensitive, you you're being you shouldn't be hurt by that. That's your fault. Yeah. that You're hurt. Yeah. Grow up. If the person responds that way. That's a good indication that person isn't someone you need to have a relationship with or you don't have a healthy relationship. A lot of times people do respond that way in the moment, mm-hmm. but later on they yeah. think about it, you know, so. Yeah, so a lot a lot to dig into there. Yeah. Um, this this is for me, one of the hardest things. Like I can, I can tell myself I'm being so holy. I'm so forgiving these people who are hurting me. Hi, can I come to your party now? I'm forgive. I forgave you for what you did. Can we now be friends? Like, and then I just get stomped on Mm -hmm. and, and I'm telling myself, but I'm so holy. And Mm -hmm. I have to say like, no, Stacey, you need Mm -hmm. to grow up and you need to stand up for yourself. And one of the best things my husband ever told me was, you need to stand up for yourself more. And I I started trying to do it. It was like, there, take that. (laughs) I stood up for myself, but uh, it's hard. This people skills stuff is difficult. And thank you for going through that tough reading. St. Elizabeth of Hungary, pray for us. Yes. To um, be able to, to be saints like you are. Well, turning to the catechism now. Uh, it's been a while. I really missed doing the podcast the last few days. And again, we're so sorry that we missed it. We try to set up our schedule so that it's sustainable and we can do it every day. But honestly, this last week of traveling, I think, well, I didn't foresee that I was going to have like a sinus infection. <laughs> and, um, but we don't have a, I didn't want to do old episodes. So we just didn't do anything. And we really are sorry about that. And we'll try not to let it happen again. Back to the New Testament. So we are in all those sections and parts and chapters and all that in the catechism. We're on page 37. 
sections, I mean, numbers 124 through 127, we've been talking about the, um, th what we believe, man's capacity for God and how God comes to meet man. And then that led us to talking about the sacred scripture, how it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And now we're in a section called the canon of scripture. And we talked about the Old Testament last time. And this time in the from 124 to 127 on page 37 of the USCCB catechism, look at the link. We're talking about the New Testament and specifically the Gospels. And again, I did not realize so much of the first part of the catechism comes from De Verbum. I mean, it must it must have the entire encyclical there as something to look up and see how much of De Verbum is actually the first part of the catechism. But De Verbum, of course, was one of the Vatican II documents, and the catechism came out after Vatican II, so that that makes sense. Yeah. The and New if you haven't read De Verbum, you should try to read it. It's a I loved it. Yeah, it's speaking your language, isn't it, Stacy? <laughs> yes. So it says, um, "The Word of God, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith." is set forth and displays its power in a most wonderful way in the writing of the New Testament. They hand on the ultimate truth of God's revelation. Their central object is Jesus Christ, God's incarnate Son, His acts, teaching, passion and glorification, and His ch church's beginnings under the Spirit's guidance. So that's a lot of words. It's telling us that we talk about divine revelation it's given, we're, we're talking about what Jesus Christ, I mean, I, I say it like this, the second person of the Holy Trinity became incarnate, became Jesus Christ, to come be one of us, be among us, and tell us, okay, y'all, this is what God wants you to know. <laughs> God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Here's what it means between, you know, the persons are the relations between God, the father, which means there must be a son, which means there must be a father and there must be love, which is the Holy Spirit. Like Christ came and taught us all of that. These are the things we wouldn't have figured out on our own. They had to be revealed. And so he comes to us, born of a virgin and tells us these things. And, and it, and it's, so you're not just like memorizing theology here. This is why it matters to our lives because the more you understand what it means to be human and what the new testament has to do with your life just like the stuff you were talking about stacy mm -hmm. how to live our lives well and form relationships well it's all about relationships yeah so it says the gospels are the heart of all scriptures the section we get in tomorrow talks about how you read the Old Testament in light of the new and the old, the new in light of the old, the typology. Like you, you look at them both with Christ as the center. And you, I never thought about the Bible that way before I was Catholic. But the center of that whole is the Gospels. They're the heart of all scriptures. They are the principal source for the life and teaching of the incarnate word, our Savior. 126 goes on to say we can distinguish three stages in the formation of the Gospels. One is the life and teaching of Jesus. Two is the oral tradition we talked about before. Three is the written Gospels. So the life and teaching of Jesus, the church holds firmly that the four Gospels, whose historicity she unhesitatingly <laughs> affirms, 
faithfully hand on what Jesus, the Son of God, while he lived among men, really did and taught for their eternal salvation until the day he was taken up. So the Gospels teach us the life and teaching of Jesus. They tell us what Jesus taught. Jesus is still teaching us today through the Gospels, just like our scripture reflection a minute ago. The oral tradition, too. After the ascension of the Lord, the apostles then, you know, think about that time. They were with the Lord while he was alive, when he was crucified, when he came back. Mm. And at the ascension, they saw all of that. And so they're going out and teaching people what the Lord said and did, that they have this fuller understanding because they are enlightened by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And I, I think it's um, Ralph Martin was saying something on a podcast one time about how we can't go. We can't just study the scripture and go out and be good evangelists. We need the Holy Spirit, too. And he, he was saying even the apostles had to wait. Jesus told them, no, wait till the Holy Spirit comes. Even they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to go out, even though they had the best teacher of all, Christ himself. They still had to wait for the Holy Spirit. So what that means is we we can't just evangelize by reading the word and telling people what it says, we have to ourselves be filled with the Holy spirit so that we're saying what people need to hear anew in the moment and with the people in our lives at the time. So we need both the spirit and the word. And then three, the written gospels, the sacred authors in writing the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John selected certain of the many elements which had been handed on orally and in writing Others they synthesized or explained with an eye to the situation of the churches they're writing to while sustaining the form of preaching, but always in a fashion that they have told us the honest truth about Jesus. So there's a lot of people who study the four Gospels and compare them because there are some differences. But there's four different men writing and they were writing to different audiences, but they're saying the same thing. Last part, 127. The fourfold gospel holds a unique place in the church, as we see even in, in the veneration in the liturgy. We always read the gospel um, at the last part. So in, in the liturgy, you know, we usually have the Old Testament as the first reading, not always the Old Testament, but usually. And then there's a responsorial psalm. And then the second reading will come from the New Testament, but not the gospels. It's one of the letters to, to that St. Paul wrote or from Revelation or it's from some other book in the New Testament, but it's never the Gospels. The Gospel comes after the first reading and the second reading in the responsorial psalm. The Gospel is always read by a priest or a deacon. Um, and Stacy, remember you and I were worried about, can we, can we read the <laughs> Gospel in, in our podcast? Is that okay? If we even ask if it was. Yeah. Um, because we felt a little weird about doing it. Yes, we can read the gospel and examine it for study. But in the Holy Mass, it will always be a priest who is in persona Christi who's who's reading it, or a deacon who's been right. um, asked to do that. So mm -hmm. um, it's special because these are the this is the life of Christ, the gospels. Mm -hmm. I like this last quote that's in the Catechism. It's from Saint Therese of Lisieux. But above all, it's the Gospels that occupy my mind when I'm at prayer. Mm. My poor soul has so many needs, and yet this is the one thing needful. I'm always finding fresh lights there, hidden and enthralling meanings. Oh, I love that. And if you're a Saint Stacy someday, if it's like Saint, Saint Stacy Farquharson, they'll, <laughs> they'll quote you, this is what jumped out at me. <laughs> I love that. I'm always finding.
finding fresh lights there. That's exactly yes. it. Yes. yes. It's like the light yes. bulb goes off and you're like, oh, it's like one word or one phrase is just like a yellow highlight goes or you're like, oh, oh, and it reminds you of another scripture. It reminds you of something you heard or it reminds you of something the Lord said to you last week or something. And it just speaks to you. And I uh -huh. love that about scripture. And, you know, talking about um, the the mass and when I first went to mass with Pat, you know, I had heard that Catholics don't read the Bible, but I there's so much scripture. And what my favorite part was when we all say together, when we all say together, Lord, I am not worthy that you should in, un, enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. I love that. That was my favorite part of my very first mass because I, maybe it was because some, something I really recognized, mm -hmm. but I just loved it when everybody said it together mm -hmm. out loud. Yeah, we're all in that boat together. Yes. <laughs> well, we hope you have a beautiful Thursday. I get to think what day this is. Yes. Um, have a beautiful Thursday. We're so glad to be back. Um, we're praying for you. Please pray for us. Yes. And we'll see you tomorrow on Friday. I'm Stacy Trisenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquhar. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>